as uh, Heather mentioned, uh, she sent me a text. <laughs> and, and okay, what happens is sometimes in myself, as, as preachers, sometimes you, you have this scripture in your mind, you've read through, you've read through, but sometimes when you open the Bible, you actually open the wrong place. It doesn't make sense. So when Heather sent me a text, I was, did not have my Bible with me, so I thought, did I send the wrong scripture? So I said, it's okay, I'll look at the, the Bible. And I, actually three times, I look at the Bible, and she was saying the same. I said, definitely knows me, it must be Heather. <laughs> the best thing I can do is to just copy that part. <laughs> but thank you so much. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, that even many times when, when our lives, whether tired or overwhelmed, God, you're there for us, Lord, that your presence always energizes us today and every time, Father. And today, even as we share the message this morning, I just want to thank you. Lord, I want to pray even for those that are not feeling well this morning, God, May you encourage them, Father. May you reach out to them and, and bring comfort to them this morning. And Lord, that those that are feeling hopeless this morning, that those that are feeling far away from you, God, that may you reach out to them, God, and surround them with your presence, oh God. And Lord, that those that are feeling lonely this morning, God, I pray that may your presence be there for them this morning, God. And even for those that will be traveling today from either from the party yesterday and for other various reasons, whether for holidays, I just want to pray for Johnny Masses, Lord, I pray that you continue to guide them, Father. Lord, may you protect them on the road, God. We pray that they will drive safely and bring them back safely, Father. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So welcome again for our third uh, Becoming More Like Jesus. In part three, we'll be looking more on the learning from his prayer life. I was actually surprised how many Jesus, how many times actually Jesus prayed. And probably most of the time is not even recorded in the Bible. And I was asking myself, is actually Jesus was God? And he prayed. If Jesus knew who the Father was, if Jesus understood what belonged to him. If Jesus, he knew what God was doing, but he still prayed. What about me? Somebody that has been redeemed, somebody that has been saved, somebody that has been rescued, somebody that has been surrounded by enemies that every day want to confuse me again and take me back to the same place that I was taken from. What about myself? What about my prayer life? So today, just quickly as we run through, I want to share with us some of the experience and how Jesus modeled prayer for us. That as we say we want to be more like Jesus, we have to admire his prayer life and feel, can we be able to live that kind of life? But before we do that, I just want to quickly share with us, um, for those of us who are visiting, sorry, 
for those of us who are visiting, just quickly to look at part two last week. You know, last week we saw how we can add value to other people. And we, look, we saw like we, can, we cannot add value if we don't value people. Because Jesus valued everybody. He valued people who are not valued in the society. Like in John chapter 9, what we read last week, we saw how Jesus valued a man who was born blind. And according to the culture of the community, at that time, this man was not even fit to be part of that community. Just because he was born blind. And we saw how the debate was like, you know, was it the mom that had an issue or was it the baby that actually was born blind? Maybe for an Aussie, you may not understand, but from my culture, like I said last week, and the culture of these people, delivering a blind baby for most societies was like a curse in the community. That's how serious it was. And as a mom, you can imagine raising a child who is blind in the community, how the community talked about you, thought about you, and treated you in the community. We saw also how Jesus reached out to a Samaritan woman at the well whom other Jews would never even have spoken to. A woman who had been to different marriages that her life had been torn apart, that he had to live a lonely life, even fetching water at the well, she had to be there alone. But Jesus, being a Jew, he valued this woman. Even risking his own life because of what other Jews communities would talk about and think about him, reaching out to this woman. He valued her. He loved her. He valued a woman who was caught in adultery, whom the law said that she should be stoned. And so many people, and there's so many other examples in the Bible of people that were vulnerable, people that were broken in the society, people that were hopeless in the society, people that nobody valued in the society. Jesus reached out to them and valued them and loved them and added value to their lives. And friends, if you want to be more like Jesus, we need to do the same for this society. We must value people so that the, we can add value to their lives. And also we must value ourselves too. Someone said once that if your presence does not, doesn't add value, your absence won't make even a difference. In other words, in our society today, in our communities, if you are not adding value to our community, being absent in our community does not make a difference in our community today. If you want to make a difference in a society that is changing rapidly, we must value people. And that's include people we don't look, people who don't look like us act like us, think like us, or even share, commonly believe like us. I'm telling you, we have people in our community that they are not lovable. But Christ is inviting us that if you want to be like those people, like him, if you want to be more like Christ, we have to reach out to them and, and tell them, you know what? Your views and my views may not agree. Your opinion and my opinion 
does not agree, but I love you. I value you as a person. That's one of the ways we can be more like Christ in our society today. In part three, I want us to see how Jesus' prayer life impacted his disciples. And for these people, for all of us to be able to sit at the table with Christ and share the love of Christ, even as you say that your daily bread come for us and share this at the table. We have to look at the Christ in his life. It wasn't just about the value that he placed on people. The love and the commitment that he placed on the people. It was a conversation he had with his father at the table. As you can see, this is a familiar but and also inspiring passage about prayer. From what my sister Heather read earlier, that says, you know, when it comes to prayer, on numerous occasions it appears, Jesus appears as a man of prayer. If you look at Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it shows how Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke 6, 12 says that once, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. I'm just sharing this to encourage us that prayer is not a place. Prayer is not a destination. Prayer is, is it's a relationship. It's a conversation between us and our Father. In Matthew 19, 13, we read that the little children were brought to Jesus to, to, for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. In John 17, 9, we read Jesus prayed for them. He said, I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours, as Jesus prayed. As we go back to Luke chapter 11, we see Jesus continues to pray. He says in verse 1 that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. You know, he didn't tell them this is how you should pray. He didn't ask them to go and fast the way he fasted for 40 days. He didn't tell them to go and do certain things that, that could meet his standard. He just prayed the way he always prayed. And these guys sat at his feet and watched Jesus praying and said, please, can you teach us how to pray? When I was reading this scripture, I started remembering people that I've seen pray and I've admired their life. There are people that pray and you feel God 
Do I really know how to pray? Are there people we look unto, live alone even looking at Christ himself? Are there people we look unto and you feel like your prayer life is struggling? Are there people you look up to and you feel like your prayer life needs to be done some polishing? A colleague back at home that we worked together, one day our senior pastor called him in, in, in a meeting and uh, he was quite intimidated and asked him, I want you to talk to God, talk to me the way you talk to God. Just address me like you're addressing God. You know, sometimes we go before God with this, like, um, for lack of a better word, something that you like memorized before God and address God. And this guy was told, now I want you to talk to me this is our senior pastor talking to one of my, my colleagues. I want you to talk to me just the way you talk to God. Apparently, this guy had been asked to, both of us were like being in training, and every time he went to pray, he prayed in a different way that the senior pastor did not appreciate. And he just wanted to help him to understand, you know, it's not about acting prayer. It's about talking to God. It's about a conversation you're having with God. So when you come before God, it's a conversation you want to put to, to your father. And he really helped this guy. He spent time with him explaining to him, assume you're talking to your dad. Assume you're talking to your father. Must you go there with the King James Version? Thou liveth God. Do thy care about thine. You know, sometimes we, we pray things that if you record yourself, sometimes you're embarrassed even to listen to my own recording that God, is that how I talk to you? I imagine people like John who were there before Christ. The Bible says that he had to stay in the wilderness for, for days and days, eating nothing, and sometimes just feeding on the locusts in the wilderness. And now this is one of the men that is teaching you about prayer. And you're looking at their life. That I've tried fasting and it's not that fun. You know, I've tried this. Live alone, living in the wilderness itself. And these are the people that are going to teach you prayer. I look up people like Moses. Moses went to pray on the mountain until the children of Israel got frustrated. And they told Aaron, we can't wait anymore for this Moses that's spending so much time on the mountain. Give us a God who can listen to us now. And you know what they ended up with? They ended up with a golden calf. Because of being impatient. And sometimes I was asking myself, are there many times I end up with a golden calf because I'm so impatient with myself? Because I did not spend time with God. So these guys are sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is not teaching them to pray, but Jesus is actually modeling his praying and they can watch him pray. 
The disciples were so amazed at Jesus' prayer lives, such that they asked him to teach them how to pray. And friend, there's so much to learn from this passage beyond the significance of the Lord's prayer that follows it. Because for many times, even myself, sometimes when I look at these scriptures, I think about the Lord's prayer. But this scripture is just beyond the Lord's prayer. It's bigger than the Lord's prayer. And from this verse, we can see that Jesus, Jesus modeled just simple prayer. Simple prayer. You know, sometimes we complicate prayer so much, we make it so hard for people. If you go back to some parts of the world, even, in, even in back in Africa, we have prayer mountains where people go to fast and pray. And there are people who spend days and days there praying, which is okay for me. And, and I see people go there and spend time for prayer. But sometimes we can make it as a duty that for you to be able to be listened to by God or for you to be able to have favor with God that you need to go to a particular mountain to pray. That for you to be able to hear from God, for you to listen from God, you need to fast for 40 days like Daniel for you to be able to listen from God. We make it so complicated. That for you to hear from prayer, for you to receive from God, you have to go to Israel and lay your hands on the western wall in Israel. I'm not saying that doing those things is evil. Going to Israel is not bad, but we use it to complicate prayer and confuse people. I want us to learn from Jesus himself. He modeled prayer. He made it so simple for these guys, even as he talked to them about prayer. It says in verse 2 to 4, Jesus gave his disciples a simple way to look at prayer, which is the Lord's prayer. And he says to them, when you say, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not in temptation. Okay, John, I mean, Luke has somehow summarized what Matthew has expanded on it. I know some will be wondering how come this one is shorter. Uh, Luke summarized that prayer. Because for Luke, this is not the point. For Luke, this is the simple way to look at this conversation. It's not about the many words that we put in that we are going to look at now today. That Jesus' desire is not about how long have you been fasting on the mountain, but how is your relationship with your father? It's because if your relationship with your father is right, your conversation with him becomes simple. Your prayer becomes much easier when it's built on a relationship. 
You can fast even 100 times. But if your relationship is not right with God, if you don't sit on the table and look at his eyes as your father, as you talk to him, probably may not make any difference. And today I want to encourage us that in our prayer, in our spending time with God, in our desire to grow in our prayer, I pray that we can grow our relationship with Christ himself, that we can build our relationship with him so much that when we stand before him and talk to him, we are not figuring out how do I even address Jesus you know, sometimes you walk into a prayer room and you feel dry. You don't have words to say. But if the relationship is right, if you can work on the relationship, sometimes even just sitting quietly in his presence is more than enough. You don't have to say anything. Just sitting at his feet for his disciples, sitting at his feet without saying a word. For Christ, this is more than enough. Just being at his feet. I want to encourage you today that you may not have the right words. You may not have the right version. You may not have the right language before him. But just spending time with Christ, sitting at his feet is more than enough. Speaking the message itself to him. I spoke about the Western Wall. They said that the Western Wall is a massive attraction for any visitor to Israel. Not only to witness a structure that has stood for over 2,000 years, but to see thousands of people who come every day to pray at this important site. But I want to say, if your relationship with God is not right, you can go to face this wall many times, but come back the same person. You can stand and lay your hands on this wall. Some of the younger people may not understand the wall. I think I tried to put a picture there for you to watch. I think that's the one. People travel. I haven't been there, but my desire is, and we are talking with my wife to go and put her hands there one day. So I know that it's a good thing to do. But I'm saying today that you can go there every year and come back and be the same person. If your relationship with Christ has no meaning and purpose. If you want to be more like Christ, our prayer life should be simple, but most important should reflect the relationship with God because prayer helps us to develop that relationship. Just like our parents here on earth, that our Heavenly Father wants us, wants to hear from us and talk to us. I don't think any father or any mom would condemn a child who's trying to communicate to them whether they can speak properly or they may not be able to speak properly, they're learning how to speak. I don't think that any parent, 
unless something's wrong with you as a parent, that you're condemning your own child who is learning to communicate to you or to talk to you. So I want to believe in my heart. It's not about how you communicate. It's about the relationship. And if you spend 10 years without talking to your parents, I have to convince that something must be wrong between you and your parents. Sometimes I, I, I dream I'm talking to my mom and she's not even there, she's gone. She's dead, you know. <laughs> because we used to talk so much times. And, and, and many times I pick up my phone and I haven't talked to my mom this week. I ring her and we talk. So that conversation was not even planned for we can talk even for two hours because that's my mom. I used to talk to my dad, you know, I ring up and we communicate. So I want to encourage us prayer. That if it, can, it, it, if it can come from a relationship, if the foundation of your prayer is God, the heavenly father for, for you and I, the communication, the conversation around the table, it's going to be improved and be better. The second thing that we learn from Jesus Jesus was persistent in his prayer life. Very persistent. He says in, he says in, the, in, the, in verse 6 to 8, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer to him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. And my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, but because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Persistent. We see Jesus praying even in Gethsemane where he knew that the cross was waiting for him. He knew that things were going to be tough ahead of him. But we see Jesus still in prayer. His prayer life was persistent. The circumstances that surrounded Christ did not change his mind about prayer. You continue to see even at the cross, even at the cross, Jesus was still praying. In Luke 23, he was still praying at the cross. Jesus encouraged disciples to be persistent in prayer. He continued in verse 9 to 10, he said, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you find Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be opened. The things 
in your life and my life, we can just pray and it'll happen. There are things we can just tell God, I thank you that I'm asking for some money or I'm asking for this. And sometimes you wake up in the morning like, God, what a surprise, and they happen. But are things, it's not just praying you're going to seek to find them. The things you have to seek in prayer to find. And there are some doors you have to knock to get the breakthrough. There are some places you have to knock and get breakthrough. I want to encourage us that the only thing that can help us to do that, that to go beyond just seeking and knocking doors is going to be persistence. It's very easy to ask and give up and say, you know what? I've been praying for this, but I have not seen any replies. We've always prayed about this and nothing has happened. But I've said, if you know your God, if you know your Father, if your relationship with your God is in a better place, prayer is not a debate. Prayer is a lifestyle. Seeking and knocking indicate persistence. While we might look for something briefly and then give up if you don't find it, but seeking implies an ongoing, perhaps lengthy search. Simply, we don't usually knock softly by tapping at the door. When I say, you know, sometimes it's not just tapping at the door softly. Or just once and then leaving if there's no answer. But we wait around and see if anyone will respond. Sometimes you give a knock and you wait. Because somebody might be in the bathroom. Somebody may be away. But I think with us prayers as Christians, because life has become so fast, sometimes when you knock the door and nobody's coming, immediately you turn and say, there's nobody. Maybe God is saying no. But God hasn't responded. God has not said anything. I want to encourage you, keep knocking and waiting. For those who are like me, there are things I've been praying for and asking God. This is a reminder for me that please keep knocking those doors. Keep searching those places. Keep talking to God about it. Remain persistent in your prayer. As I finish today, And to remind us, Jesus prayed with an expectation. Jesus prayed with an expectation. It says, verse 11 to 13, which of you, which of you fathers, if your son asks for fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though, you are evil, and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
It's very easy as I finish. For many people, and I've done the same, that when you pray, either sometimes you're not expecting anything, or sometimes you're expecting the worst. Especially if you've prayed for somebody, or you prayed for a situation and it just got worse. I was watching a video the other day, and a man was giving a testimony of how he prayed. I mean, how he used to be born again, and then he walked out of Christianity. And the parents were fasting and praying for him. And as his parents were praying and fasting for him, the day the father was finishing the fast, this guy was involved in a very nasty, nasty accident. That his car rolled so many times when he was coming from a party at night that even those who came to rescue him feared that he was dead. And when they rang the father and told him that your son has been involved in a very nasty accident, I want you and your wife to come at the hospital to meet your son. And the father arrived at the hospital. He found this guy in a coma. He was saying that the mother actually started crying. That the people told him the mother saw him in a coma and just started crying. And the doctor told the family that your son may never, never walk again. Even if he walks out of this, I mean, even if he gets out of his coma, he may never, never walk again. And this father was so discouraged. After praying and fasting for a whole week, after sitting at the feet of Christ, after giving up my meals, And then I'm walking home to this kind of information, this news. He was upset. He was so discouraged. But you know, the good thing is, after several months, the son got out of the coma and he's back on the road driving again. And this young man, not only did he walk again, he's actually preaching the message of Christ. He's on the street telling people about salvation. He's on the street telling people that Christ is alive, that he rescues my life, that his testimony has transformed so many people, not only around home, but around the world. I was watching him the other day on YouTube about his testimony. I want to encourage us today that sometime when you, when you pray and, and sometime in your heart you're expecting the worst because that's what the enemy wants us to believe sometimes and create doubt in prayer that our prayer life becomes so frustrated. I want to invite Heather to come back and the worship team to lead us in the last song. I want us to stand today 
on your feet. Let's stand on your feet as we finish today. I'm not sure what are you praying for. But I'm saying today that as you stand before God, as you sit on that table with your father, it's not just about the rules and regulations of your prayer. I want you to look at it as a conversation you are creating with your father. I want you to think about how persistent you can be in that conversation. I want you to think about an expectation. What is it that God wants to put in your heart that you want to expect it. It may not even come real now. It may not even be tomorrow. But if it's something that God wants you to believe in and say, you know what? I know it will still happen. It's not today, but I know it will happen. God may not say yes tomorrow, but it's still yes, yes. I mean, it's still say yes. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you because you modeled prayer. That your life was a life of prayer. And I pray, Lord, for most of us who are struggling in our prayer life. That you help us too. To borrow from you. To learn from you, God. Help us to learn from your life. That how we can be more like you in our prayer life, in our journey. And today I want to thank you for many people that are standing here today and are feeling a little bit discouraged in their journey with you, Father. Lord, may you reach out to them, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.